Geek Bill Radio. Hello, once again, ladies and gentlemen. This is Seth, aka Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville, and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with another episode. We're up to 294 now. We got a plethora of stuff to talk about. We got a new Marvel movie out that we're going to talk about, as well as the history of the character. We're going to talk The Flash. We're going to talk all the Star Wars shows in the works, Spider Man, as well as the surprise Marvel game, Midnight Suns. And we'll review some what if, and we'll wind it up with some Shang-Chi talk. Fortunately, I don't have to do it alone. Once again, coming at you from the nice soft padded cell in South Kakalaki, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock. All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to go ahead and, and let people know now. You might hear some weird noises. If you remember last time we did a regular Geekville, our audience got to hear my cat purring because he was right up in my face purring into the mic. You might hear him sneezing. He has allergies and he seems to be having a sneezing attack right before we started recording. So I apologize if you hear that in the background. He just he wants to be heard. Well, Shadow Cat is behind me, sleeping, snoring up a storm. Yes, I have a snoring cat, but I don't think that's going oh, to too. make it to the, to the <laughs> airwaves here. So let's dive into the news here. We'll start off with some DC talk. There's really not that much as far as DC TV. There's going to be the next Fandome. I think it's coming up in the beginning of October next month. That's where DC's really going to let right. fly a lot of their stuff as far as the comics and movies and TV shows. As they remind me every single day with an email, because I'm on the email list for DC. <laughs> <laughs> Season 8 of The Flash, which is rumored to be the last one. I don't know if it will be or not, or if anybody's made up their minds, but that will be the next crossover event, and it's not going to be a standalone series like how Crisis on Infinite Earths was and the ones before that. It's just going to be the first several episodes of Season 8 of Flash. But it is going to be called Flash Armageddon, and Despero will be the villain, which could be very interesting because I don't think we've seen him in any live action before. We have it, and he's usually more of a spider, or a Spider-Man, the Superman, wrong, wrong, wrong imprint, Superman yeah. villain, but oh well. <laughs> and to top it off, we do have a Chris Williams reprising his role of Black Lightning. Kyler Lee will return as Alex Danvers, and then Kathleen McNamara will reprise her role of Mia Smoke, the, the daughter of Ollie and Felicity from Arrow. So we got three people now returning to the Arrowverse after the ending of their respective shows. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that, or as far as Despero as a villain? Oh, well, like I said earlier, I mean, he's more of a Superman than he is a villain, but far be it from Berlanti to not just grab any DC villain he can, because how many Batman villains did they use in Arrow? <laughs> right, and and they can use Superman now, since he's got his own show, so... Right, and, and I will never tire of seeing Chris Williams as Black Lightning. He's awesome. Just outstanding. Also with Despero, it seems like we're getting a little bit of a relief from more speedsters as villains. I think that's the big thing that jumps out at me. <laughs> yeah, that seemed to be another problem with the Flash. I like Flash. Don't get me wrong. I really like Flash a lot. It's just that how many speedsters are there in the multiverse? Because they seem to pull one out every season. And, yeah. and, and for me, as a DC guy, I have argued many times that after Batman, Flash has the second best rogues gallery of any hero in either Marvel or DC. And yet they keep going to these speedsters, and I'm like, yeah, we've had Gorilla Grodd. 
yeah, we've had Captain Cold, but there's so many Mirror Master, Clock King. I mean, he has a ton of really, really cool villains, and we just don't. We had Mirror Master for like what, what episode two? Something like, and it, it, well, the, yeah, I think it was uh, the beginning, or I think it was the end of the sixth season. I think they had a Mirror Master. So I, I might be getting my my characters crossed, but but yeah, it, it, it seems like the main times that they've kind of shied away from speedsters, they did do the Thinker for I think that was season. Right. Four, three, I want to say maybe three or five. four, yeah, yeah, and then the, and then they've had a couple here and there, but really, like it it seems like Devoe was the only season long non speedster villain that they that they had. Yeah, and it's just like flat. Why Flash of of all the guys that you've got has the the deepest roster of villains, Rogues Gallery, and you just start tapping into it. Grodd, we only got what two, three episodes. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see them do a Legion of Doom type thing with. Oh yeah. And now that you have Superman, there's no reason not to bring Lex Luthor in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think for the second season of Legends, with the three villains they had, because remember, they had uh, Eobard Thawne. The Eobard, the Eobard Thawne. Damien Dark. And uh, and Malcolm Barlow. Malcolm Barlow. Yeah. 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 And at least he was kind of in passing. Like, they're like right. some Legion right. of Doom or something. How they like doing the, the names. Right, right. Almost kind as of long as, as long as Cisco is the one who names them, right? Right. <laughs> But moving on from DC to Star Wars and Disney, we do have the episode lengths for the Star Wars shows that will be coming up next year on Disney+. Plus. The first one will actually be hitting in December. I think it's in place of Mandalorian Season 3, but that'll be the Book of Boba Fett hitting in December. That will be eight episodes. And Robert Rodriguez, if he's not just a director, and I think he's like a showrunner for it, which... If you're going to have a non-Star Wars guy do Star Wars, I think Robert Rodriguez is a good person to put on that list, especially for a character like Boba Fett. Obviously, he's he's known for his adult stuff and his horror and action. But remember, he's the same guy that did Spy Kids too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so he can do that fantastical over the top too. Right, right, and and I think he did a couple episodes of Mandalorian. I forget the specific ones, but I know he directed a couple mm-hmm. episodes of Mandalorian as well. It's so funny that he can do Spy Kids and his best buddies Quentin Tarantino, and Quentin couldn't do a child's friendly movie if he had to right he can be like where are we going to put the f-bombs right <laughs> exactly yeah. So, yeah. or, or he'll, he'll make some dirty rainbow bright reference or something like that i think yeah probably as long as there's women's bare feet in it because quentin just has a fetish for that but i digress <laughs> now next year we're going to have andor which seems to be the longest of the live action stuff that's going to go 12 episodes and obviously it'll take place before rogue one probably be more of a uh formation of the alliance it seems like like he'll be he'll be key for that uh, and any news on maybe maybe jimmy smith's returning as bail organa then for that i would be surprised if he doesn't i think it's in production now as mm. as far as filming obi-wan kenobi is going to be six episodes that is either done is that you or is going to be done soon as far as that's you mcgregor reprising the role yes yeah and and uh, hayden's back as well for some right as, as anakin right i knew that yeah so yeah. really, those are the only three actors I think of that you can really bring back because everything else is a Yoda CGI. Obviously, you can always get Anthony Daniels to voice 3PO even if he's not in the suit. Right. And, and we'd speculated before that just because Obi-Wan spent time at, at the beginning of Episode 3 and at the end of Episode 4 on Tatooine, he doesn't necessarily meant that he spent every day of those 20 years or so. It's possible right. he might have had a reason to go off world for something. Yeah, sure. He left Luke with Owen and Baru. He kept an eye on them, but I think he trusted them to raise Luke, you know? Mm-hmm. 
And then The Mandalorian Season 3 looks like it's also going to be eight episodes. And then there will also be a Disney gallery of four separate episodes, each of which will cover the stories we've been talking about. So looks like right. 2022 will definitely have no shortage of Star Wars content. I don't know if there's anything else that jumped out at you for that, because it's all stuff we knew that was coming. But now we got a, a summary of how long each one will be. So we will well, know the what Lego to expect. Star Wars movie is going to be really easy because Lego has already done that years ago with the first Batman game where they made a mer- movie version of the sto- the game's story or was no, the second Batman game, second Lego Batman game. And so, I mean, you've already got a lot of that stuff because it's involved in the game and in the cutscenes in the game. Now, because Star Wars was one of the first properties that Lego made video games out of, there's no dialogue in the cutscene. That would come later with like some of the Marvel and DC stuff where they would go and get the, the cast that were known, that the MCU actors or like for the DC stuff, Conroy and, and Hamill and stuff. So all they got to do is just get voice actors and then just do voice. It, it's animated. It's not tough to, to do voice acting over it. Right. And, and since it's Lego, you don't take it too seriously, you might say. No. It's not going to be looked no, at as being no. canon. They could even do like they did with the Avengers Lego game, which was sound clips from the actual movies. It's so it's they they want to go that route. And remember, the the studio that makes the Lego games is Telltale, which I believe is the is the studio that Mark Hamill's involved with, correct? I'd have to confirm that, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I don't know for sure. I think he's like like and I don't mean like involved with with like working for like I think he's like a part owner. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of Star Wars to be had. We'll have a lot of stuff for Flash in a little less than a year. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into more Marvel proper. We're going to look at the Spider-Man trailer, as well as uh, other Marvel stuff in the works. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Fragged. Join host Jared Aubrey and his panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFragged.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. All right, we are back talking Spider-Man No Way Home trailer that came out a week or two ago. And this trailer, it's, it's the first trailer we got, even though the movie's coming out, I think, in December. So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of late as far as trailers go. Maybe got production was delayed because of COVID or whatever. But what we got, I think, is a good indication that they're really going into that multiverse setup that we got at the end of Loki. And Doctor Strange, obviously, is pay, playing a big part in this. And I'm sure it will lead directly into Strange's next movie, which is called Multiverse of Madness. Now, there there was a lot to kind of sink your teeth into with, with the trailer. They they did say that there's the, the multiverse, but it seems that Peter kind of wanting the world to forget that he's Spider-Man seems to be one of the things that triggered it. At least that's what I got from the trailer. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. You know, I had this whole vibe while I was watching the trailer. You and I will always make this joke about when something goes, takes a hard left turn we didn't expect, we'll go, hey, Barry, what did you do? Mm-hmm. That kind of had this feel to it. It's like... Peter, what did you do, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did you have done? <laughs> yeah, that was just kind of the vibe. I, I'm sure you can see why, why I'm saying that, you know? Right, right, yeah. But it seems like that, this is the Marvel take on that. Instead of Barry, what did you do? Peter, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. 
Because it's something similar was done in the similar comics, if I recall correctly, because in the comics, he revealed himself to the world in Civil War II. I went with the first Civil War. Mm-hmm. I think it was the first Civil War. First Civil uh, War. And that yeah. was a lot at the, at the proking and prodding of Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he, he started out on Team Tony and then almost got killed, and I think he wound up on Team mm-hmm. Cap by the time it was and over. And you must remember in the comics, the, the Peter in the comics with the Civil War comics story like that, that Peter Parker is a young adult married to MJ and has a kid. Right, you know, right. He's, he's an he's adult. Not he's not the awkward a, teenager anymore. Right, but if I recall correctly, after Civil War, sometime after, it's like he tried to undo that, and I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know who was, was it with like a Mephisto or somebody like that, but it was one of those things. Yeah, he did it, it, but it, had, it came with a cost. Kind of like, the, kind of, kind of like a Ghost Rider type deal. Right, but it's like since... He wanted his identity secret again. It's like MJ didn't know who he was as well, if I recall correctly. I, I could be wrong yeah. in that, though. It's been a, it's been a few no, years. No, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. At least the way I'm remembering it, too. So yeah. we can't both be wrong in our memory, right. <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> right. But as far as Strange being depicted, like he's still wearing the cloak, but he's wearing like a hoodie on underneath it. That seemed what, kind of weird. Did, Although, granted, if did, I had a cloak like that with a cape, I'd probably be wearing it over everything, too. Did you notice in that scene, it's not a hoodie. It's like a heavy winter parka, and he's inside the Sanctum Sanctorium, and it's snowing, and yeah. we get no explanation. So that right. alone, I'm, I, I want to find out why it's snow- why just <laughs> what snowing did indoors. Do? <laughs> why, what did Strange do? What kind of spell did he cast that caused it to snow inside the Sanctum? Because Wong's wearing a parka, too. You're yeah. like, what happened here, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know. That alone has me intrigued. Right. But it does make me wonder about the possibility of, is this still the same strange? Could it be an alternate universe strange, which we can get into a little bit when we talk what if? Or could this be a scroll strange? Although if he's a scroll strange, I guess he probably wouldn't be the Sorcerer Supreme. But I think you know what I'm saying, that maybe this isn't the, the same strange and from the previous movies, and it's all a lure to make the multiverse uh, a reality. I think you know what I'm saying, right? Like somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. posing yeah, as strange. Yeah. Posing as strange, and then the Peter Parker from the main continuity going to him, thinking it's the strange he already knows. Right. I uh, did kind of like, the, well, I think we're past formalities. We did save half the universe together. Right. Okay. Okay, Steven. Okay, that seemed weird, but I'll, I'll, let, it, I'll right. let it pass. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I would expect him just to call him doctor, you know, instead of Steven, but that that's just, that's just me. But... We did get the Green Goblin tease because we saw the Goblin Bomb or Pumpkin Bomb, and we got the reveal of Dr. Octopus, but I think part of that was probably uh, because Alfred Molina himself said he was returning to the roles. So, right. uh, <laughs> I read somewhere that it is verified that Jamie Foxx is returning as Electro, so we're going to get that too. Yeah, so how many of the Sinister Six would we have? I mean, I, I, I know that, there's some of these. That's half of it right there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think some of the characters may not have been in the comics, but I think all you need is, is the name Sinister Six. But yeah, so we'd have Doc Ock, we'd, we could have Goblin, we could have Electro. Assuming Mysterio might not be dead, if we could get villains from other universes, we could get Mysterio back, assuming this one's dead. And, right, and we, we just talked about the last episode, they have cast a Craven the Hunter, so they could bring Craven in if they wanted to. Right, and this will still take place in the same continuity and vultures vultures in the sinister six too and we have tombs we have michael yeah. keaton so yeah so there you, there you go. go that's all six yeah. yep. and we don't have to see paul giamatti be rhino thank god right. <laughs> yeah i i never understood that casting but uh, no. i love paul giamatti he's a great actor I, wrong role yeah i think he would have been very good as dr octopus if 
Elvin Molina had oh, yeah. already done it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I've always seen Paul Giamatti more in a DC take as like Toy Man. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, oh. Anyway. Yeah, one other thing. He about wouldn't be the... a bad penguin either if you think about it because he's kind of short and portly enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I, I can't help but wonder if this started because of the Into the Spider-Verse animated movie that came out a few years ago. Because they did that. It was called Into the Spider-Verse. People thought, oh, okay, well, maybe we can do this in live action. And we the comics already has a multiverse anyway. Well, going along that school of thought, if you're going to do it, this is, would be the time to introduce a, Mile, a Miles Morales, wouldn't it? Right, absolutely. I, I fully expect, because it's in the comics, I fully expect in, in the next movie or two, whether it's a Sinister Six or not, but I think there'll be one with both Peter and Miles in it, and they'll be plural. It'll be called Spider-Men. Yeah, and then you've got, there's so many. You've got Spider-Ham, of course, you mm-hmm. love. Right. There's, uh, what's the Hispanic guy from Spider-Man 2099? Uh, Miguel something? Yeah, I think it's Miguel something, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the alternate universe where Gwen Stacy becomes Spider, gets bit, so she's it's like Sp- a Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen, Gwen, I think you know, it's called, so, yeah. Yeah, so there's already a, a heap full of them right there, you know what? Absolutely. What, five we just named? Mm-hmm. It did break, though, in the last couple of days since the success of Shang-Chi, which we'll get to shortly, that the Venom Let There Be Carnage has been moved up two weeks. It's actually going to come out on the 1st of October instead of the 14th of October. So we won't have to but wait quite still as keep, long to see they're that. They're still keeping it in October, which right. we'll talk about on the next Examining the Dead. You and I are going to speculate on, on some of the horror themes we think are going to come out of that one because that's just Carnage the character. There's a lot of horror tropes oh, with yeah. Carnage. All right. Moving on to Marvel, this was a surprise to me. I did not know of this coming. I just saw the trailer, but I did read a little bit of the comic series, but we did get a trailer for a Marvel game, Midnight Suns, and this looks like it's going to be strategy-oriented, kind of a RPG-type environment. I know you'd read the Midnight Suns storyline. Now, I didn't read that much of the story back in the day because it came out when I was kind of out of comics for a while, but the Midnight Suns storyline in the comics, it's centered around a lot of kind of the magic or darker cultic characters it is. Like, like Ghost Rider. It, and- it was originally formed by Doctor Strange after the Montessi formula, which was a storyline that had to do with the removal of all vampires from the Marvel Universe was beginning to weaken and vampires were coming back. So the original Midnight Suns, even though they were formed by Strange, what Strange was never really an official member. It was the Danny Catch, Ghost Rider, the Johnny Blaze, but he wasn't Ghost Rider anymore. He didn't have the Ghost Rider. He didn't have the the, the, the spirit bonded to him, but he still was like a, a ghost hunter type thing, like a supernatural hunter. Okay. The Night Stalkers, which were like Hannibal King, and that, that group that were in, they did a version of in Blade Trinity. Morbi- uh, Mobius, the living vampire, Blade, and I can't remember who else was in it. But they were all occult, mystic-based, and their job was, if, if, you look at the, if you look at Marvel, and the Fantastic Four are the group that protects the Earth from cosmic entities, and the Avengers are the ones that protect them from Earthbound, and the Defenders are the group that fight the street-level criminals. Well, they were the, one, uh, they were the ones that were going to protect the world from mystical threats does that make sense yeah yeah it makes sense Uh, but even i kind of raised my eyebrow and went at at the the trailer because they show iron man and wolverine in it and i'm just like yeah no they have nothing having batman and justice league dark kind of makes sense having iron man and wolverine in the midnight suns makes no sense yeah yeah to me the uh, the perfect explanation for batman to be in the justice league dark was that scene where 
uh, the demons are talking to Constantine. And he's like, oh, we already got you. And then they all look at uh, Batman and are just like, but you, on the other hand, that's the explanation for <laughs> why Batman fits. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's, I don't, let's be honest, they're including Wolverine and Iron Man because they're known characters. Yeah. We, we've all seen they're, they're- just about every team under the sun, no pun intended, in Marvel. They find a reason to put Wolverine in it. I mean, if you go way, way back, even before I was the co-host, there's that episode where Seth reels off all the teams that Wolverine was a member of at one time or another in one breath. Yeah. And then I thought you were going to pass out afterwards because yeah. it took you like a minute and a half. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> I should find that clip. <laughs> it's incredible that Seth did it. It was incredible that they actually figured out a way to put Wolverine in that many teams. Right. If the game gets good reviews, I'll, I'll probably check it out. I don't know if it's going to be home system or PC or whatever. I'm assuming it's going to be one of those. It's going to be cross-platform, though. Probably going to get it on, on probably, home systems. Probably, probably multi-platform. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm not a huge fan of turn-based RPG video games. I like RPGs that kind of are on amalgam of like first-person shooters or, or whatever, survival horror, where they, where they tie in. I mean, I think like Red Dead Redemption is a good example of that. It, it has RG, RPG elements, but mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, it's an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter. Right, right. I, I tend to like my strategy turn-based. As far as role-playing right. game, it's I can take it or leave it, but but I'm with you. One of the best games of all time, I think that a lot of us uh, played it back in the day, was that the Knights of the Old Republic Star Wars game, and that was basically just D&D yep. in Star Wars uh, brought to life effectively. Right. Our listeners know I'm a big fan and player of the Fallout universe. Fallout didn't become massively popular until it got away from the early turn-based RPG game it was, and Bethesda got a hold of it, and it became an amalgam of an RPG and a first-person shooter. Then all of a sudden, they had a huge hit. let's Let's be honest. Bethesda knows how to do one game. Mm-hmm. And they put a medieval Nordic skin on it and call it Elder Scrolls, or they put a post-apocalyptic nuclear skin on it and call it Fallout. <laughs> they're right, they're yeah. essentially <laughs> the same game with different skins. <laughs> yeah. But then there's a lot of pen and paper role-playing games that are essentially the same system, just with a different environment. So I guess right I now, guess now, now, like you said, strategy or, or tabletop RPGs are meant to be turn-based. Right. Because you have to take the time out to roll the dice and then let the, the game master roll the dice and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, you, and hopefully you don't hear the game master say, Oh boy, I need a calculator. <laughs> so, yeah. That's never good for players <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, but moving on with Marvel, we've had three more episodes, four in total for what if, and we're not going to go into detailed reviews of each one, but I thought it was kind of interesting how, uh, the first episode was, of course, the the Captain Carter, which was effectively, in spirit, the si- similar to the first Captain America, winning World War II and the whole nine yards. Right. And, of course, Steve and uh, Peggy, Peggy still having their, their romance, you might say, even mm-hmm. though it's reversed. Right. And Peggy's the badass, and Steve's the, the, the I don't want to say helpless, but he, he's still the skinny uh, guy I, he was. I, yeah, well, Howard helps him not be helpless anymore. <laughs> right, right. And... The second episode with the T'Challa being in Guardians of the Galaxy instead of Peter Quill. I we were talking off mic. I think you summed it up best with Yondu, who is still Michael Rooker, when his minions bring him T'Challa, and he's like, "Does this look like a Peter Quill to you?" <laughs> you you kidnapped a black child from Africa, and we were supposed to kidnap a white kid from Mid- Midwest America. and it's like we we've talked about before we went to record yondu pretty pretty clever smart guy 
Yondu's crew, not so much. Right. <laughs> In right. any iteration, they're kind of idiots. And, and the other, I think, uh, real surprise in it was Thanos as part of the Guardians and that he's a good Thanos yeah. who has just managed to see the error of his ways because it was like one of his first lines like, oh, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm adult enough to admit when I'm wrong, <laughs> which is exactly right. the opposite of Thanos. And- <laughs> I, 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 I did think I did nice, some other nice humor from that one was Corvath, once again voiced by Demohanshu, is the complete opposite of what he is in the movies. He doesn't know who Star-Lord Peter Quill is. And that's, that's a, a point of, of uh, contention for Quill. But he's like totally hero worships T'Challa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a, and he's like fanboying on him. And T'Challa's like, no, 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 we don't do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that was kind of funny, too. Yeah. But the last two episodes, one centered around Nick Fury and one centered around Strange, those actually went very dark because the third episode was essentially they kill off all the Avengers before they become Avengers. And uh-huh. there was a good reason why, but... I saw that one, and I was like, wow, this is pretty dark. And then they go with the fourth episode with Doctor Strange essentially being corrupted, and it's like, that one may have even been darker, and I don't want to say depressing, but certainly certainly a, a very, very different take. But a lot of those what-if comics went that way, because I think one of the most famous ones was what if Wolverine kills the Hulk, and I mm-hmm. think that one actually ends with Wolverine killing himself in the end because of yeah. the bad stuff that, that happened, because Hulk's not around to smash so it's yeah. like that type of vibe well you know i wondered when this was announced and i think i we, i even mentioned it when we when it was announced and we 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 announced that here on on geekville would they as a disney product and a disney property on the disney plus would they go that route because we brought up the fact that that was often what had happened in the comics and the last two they have as a devotee of john carpenter films I'm not uh, opposed to a very dark, bleak ending. Think the thing, think Prince of Darkness, think they live. Yeah. <laughs> think, even though he was only a producer on it, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, this is pretty dark endings. And, and um, I, I still say that I think the thing had a perfect ending to it. Oh, yeah, it did. Because you could take it any way you want, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't know who it is voicing Uatu, the Watcher, but he's perfect. He's the same actor that's going to be Commissioner Gordon in the next Batman movie, if I recall correctly. Right, right. That's right, right. That's right. You told me that off mic. And you're talking about the Robert Pattinson one, right? Yes, yes. And so that whole back and forth at the end of the Strange one where Strange begs him, you could fix this, you have the power. And he's like, I do, but I'm not going to. I'm not a god. And you of all creatures should understand why I can't. I, I like that. I, I liked the hopeful ending to the one before that with Nick Fury, where it's kind of, once again, in that strange twist, which is always a hallmark of the comic what-ifs, is Loki essentially gets what Loki wants in that one. What he wanted in our world, he got. He gets in that world. And he does it without having to put up a fight. Right. But then it ends still with the happy that you realize Captain Marvel shows up, he's there with the frozen body of Steve, he's going to bring back the two captains, and they're going to take back our world from Loki. Jeffrey Wright so, is the actor that's the watcher that's in that. Name, that's his name. Yeah. 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 But they're playing Uatu. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm glad they've gone that dark. I, I figured they would when we get the, the Marvel zombie episode, which is in, in, in October, fittingly enough, because of Halloween. Because if you know that storyline in, in the comics, it's very dark and bleak. So I figured they would go that dark, that one. And I knew that one was coming because we've seen the trailer for it with like the zombie Captain America. <laughs> but. I didn't know if they were going to go that dark with any of the other ones. And they didn't with the first two. But then the next two, they really did. 
So yeah. I, I also thought it was a very, very creative way to bring about the death of the Avengers being Hank Pym. Because Hank is the guy who's smart enough to figure it out and do it. Right, because the main deviation is, of course, that his daughter is dead from from a mission with uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. two years mm. prior. That that was the main difference, was her that character right. getting and, killed off. And that was the tipping point for Hank to say no. Right. And so, and Michael Douglas is a great bad guy when Michael Douglas wants to be a bad guy. He, he did come back to the voice of Hank. And all you need to do is watch Wall Street to understand Michael Douglas can be a great villain when he wants to be. Yes, absolutely. Because because Sam Gecko has like zero redeeming values as a character, as a human being, and he plays that role. To I, mean, I think he won an Oscar for it, didn't he? I know he was nominated. I think he was nominated. I don't know if he won. I mean that that famous line, "Greed, for lack of a better term, is good." Th- yeah. That's all you need to know about that character, and that's and Douglas just nails it, and he's great. People have to don't read the comics to understand. Hank is a very troubled, dark hero. Depending on the writer, Hank Pym has always been, what, on that razor-thin edge of sanity and insanity all the time? Yeah, I think you could say that. One of the most famous storylines I remember is when they made him a, a domestic abuser. He, like, physically assaults Janet, and, and Steve beats him within an inch of his life. Remember that storyline? Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve, it took Steve everything he had to stop from killing him. Steve literally put him in a hospital. He beat him up so bad. And Steve's the kind of guy that's like, no, we don't treat him. He is the guy that would do that. So Hank is not a character that is foreign to being dark. And they went there with him, and I Mm -hmm. thought it was very well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure what we're getting for the fifth episode. But it'll be out, what, tomorrow as we record this? Yeah, I think it'll be out on the 8th of September. Yeah, I'm not seeing much in the ways of not, but maybe I'm just not looking in the right places. But it'll be airing by the time you... Uh, folks hear this so we'll see if they go dark or if they go back to something funny or maybe they'll go in a completely separate direction all right we're gonna take a quick break and then we when we come back it's going to be our feature segment of the show we're going to talk who is shang chi and we will also review the movie that came out this past weekend this is geekful radio and we'll be right back attention all time lords and ladies this message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekvilleRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. All right, we are back, and currently going on for Examine the Doctor, we are covering the Tom Baker classic Genesis of the Daleks, which is arguably not just the greatest Tom Baker, but one of the greatest Doctor Who stories of all time. I can find that at Geekville Radio, even, like you I'm just I'm not heard. even a Whovian, and just by the title, it sounds like it, for importance alone, it would be pretty right, big. Right, right, because it, 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 it is the Dalek origin story. So uh, The ultimate bad guys in that universe, so... Mm-hmm. Right, but we are talking Shang-Chi. I know I am guilty of it. For years, I thought it was Shang-Chi, but I believe the proper pronunciation is, is Shang. That's how they pronounce it in the movie as well. So, Well, I mean, I'm... neither one of us speak Mandarin or Cantonese, so you'll have to forgive us <laughs> right, right, for our impro- improper enunciation, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but 
I, I figured since the movie is out, if there's people who kind of might want to know a little bit more about the comic history of the character. Now, we're not going to dive into everything because the comic ran for like 10 years. But as far right. as the backgrounds of the character, both real life and in the Marvel world, uh, Shang-Chi was created by Steve Englehart and Jim Starlin in the early 1970s. As funny as it is, uh, Marvel was originally trying to get the rights for the Kung Fu TV show, the David Carradine TV show from the early to mid-70s, and they failed to get that. So for some reason, they went and got the rights to Fu Manchu, the villain that started out in the early 1900s, I want to say, as, as a novel, in, in a series of novels as a villain. And so to tie it into modern day, they made Shang-Chi the son of Fu Manchu and then turned him into a good guy. And le- the character's title for the longest time, and it started out, I think it was Special Marvel Edition. It was one of those, what, what's the word? Like that giant-sized quarterly type thing? Yeah, like, like an uh, anthology right. title called Special Marvel Edition where each Episode. Kind of like Tales to Astonish or Journey it, into the whatever. It, exactly, yeah. where where stories are self-contained and you might get a variety of stories in one book. That's where he started, but shortly after that, the book was retitled Master of Kung Fu and then ran for another 10 years into the 80s. And as the name would imply with the name Master of Kung Fu, the character was inspired by those martial arts, as you like to say, Chopsaki movies from the, from the 70s. And... The character himself was inspired by Bruce Lee. So the similarities there were intentional, but I don't think it was so much that you actually thought, oh, this is a ripoff of Bruce Lee. It's just he was an Asian guy that was really good at martial arts, and I think that's kind of more really where the similarities ended, but more about Bruce Lee than I do. Yeah, well, I think we talked about before when we did when we talked Iron Fist and Luke Cage during the, the Netflix run. This was a time when exploitation films were big and Marvel was trying to tap into that. So Iron Fist and Shang-Chi are characters created to tap into the popularity. Like you said, the Chop Soccer movies, Luke Cage is a character created to tap into the popularity of the black exploitation, Mm -hmm. which let's be honest, that's also when Falcon and Sam Wilson shows up around the same time, probably involved there too. You also got Ghost Rider, pops up around this time playing with the horror movies and the occult. I mean, this is the other era of the exorcist and the omen, right? Yeah, Marvel had a Dracula um, series at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. Dracula and blade blade is introduced at this time. So you can see how these B exploitation movies are, are really affecting pop culture and it's bleeding over into what Marvel's doing in their comic books. And, and as luck would have it sometime in the eighties, several years after the series ended, the master Kung Fu series ended, a few years later, there was, I want to say it was like Marvel Prevent, Presents or something to that. They were trying to redo those anthology titles, mm-hmm. and they tried doing it with Wolverine because, of course, I kind of made the joke earlier about teams. It seems like if, if there's ever going to be a, mm-hmm. gonna be a <laughs> test thing, test title for Marvel, I'll just throw Wolverine in it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I, I will continue to say it to as long as we record this show. Unless you were a comic book collector in the mid to late 80s, you do not understand how over-inundated we were with Wolverine and mutants in that era. Right. It was Uh, insane. mm -hmm. It was nuts. And even back then as a teenager, I was going, do any of the writers at Marvel have any creativity? Because every other new character 
was a mutant. And Wolverine was literally, if he wasn't a member of a team up or he wasn't doing his own, he was guest starring in every other month and, and a big title. Was he not? Right. Yeah. Cause, and this is even before he became an Avengers full time. So he's on the X-Men. He's part of the Avengers. What was the one in candy? He was part of it too. X-Force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it may have him lead X-Force for a while. So, you know, that's, uh, but yeah, that uh, did, did definitely, uh, Logan was a very busy man in the eighties and the nineties. Thank God he had a healing factor because he's going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, there there was this anthology title, and that's where I had first read Chung Chi. And, uh, and I, I forget what the story was, but it was the first time I think he'd been seen in a while. So really, that's kind of like the real-life origins inspired by the exploitation movies. Kind of fell into obscurity in the 80s, but has had a resurgence in the last 10 or 15 years or so. Now, mm-hmm. as far as the... Fictional world, like we said, uh, the character was originally conceived as being the son of Fu Manchu and was like his top assassin. And then he rebelled against his father, joined forces with MI6, which I think is the same people that James Bond would work for in the Bond movies. But just became became a good guy and an ally to the heroes and all that. But after Marvel lost the rights, or maybe the rights expired, I forget the exact story. I think there's a legal story going on. I, I, there was a legal. I, th- I, I thought, and maybe your research was different. My research said something about they used Fu Manchu because they thought it had passed over into the public domain, and then later on it had not. So whoever owned the rights sued Marvel, and Marvel actually lost, and that's why they yeah. had to change the name. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you are right with that. It was changed to a more traditional Chinese name. Like mm-hmm. Xinjia or something like that. I can't. I, once again, yeah. I don't speak Cantonese or, or Mandarin, so forgive me. Right. <laughs> but what I think, I think they killed off their version of Fu Manchu, and then it was like that turned out to be an alias or something like that. And that's how they were able right. to explain that it wasn't really Fu Manchu. It wasn't that Fu Manchu. And uh, I think it, it was, I think it was they just, Trevor Slattery. I'm sorry, yeah, right. <laughs> but it was. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, <laughs> he set me up for it. I had to. Oh know? yeah, yeah. I left myself wide open for that one. And Dang. of course, the Mandarin was a long established character as essentially Iron Man's joke at that point right it, it's actually a little surprising that it's taken this long for them to bring mandarin into the mcu proper especially after iron man's dead but yeah if there's a single biggest villain in iron man's rogues gallery it is probably mandarin because it's the whole idea i think of magic versus tech i, right. I think that's always kind of been the the, the, the clashing what why, why they would clash that much now, now we'll get into the movie here so uh, I'm ready, anything to add the spoiler for... tag now. Yeah, we... yeah. Let's get the let's get the spoiler tag rolling. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler hole has been breached. Spoiler hole has been breached. Now to keep things simple for the movie, because I mean the movie is pretty straightforward as far as its its origin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they didn't use Fu Manchu. They created effectively a new character for the MCU and just kind of amalgamized him, if that's even a word. But they took elements of the Mandarin from the comics and then turned him into the new Wen Wu character. Yeah, that's kind of how I took it, too. And I think that that as is, is, is the story was being told, that they effectively took elements of, of, of the comic Mandarin and the comic Fu Manchu before they lost the rights to that and, and Shang-Chi's origins and kind of made it work with what's already been laid out with the Ten Rings and Mandarin at up to this point in the MCU. 
We mentioned it earlier. Trevor Slattery shows up, and I was surprised. I didn't know Ben Kingsley was going to be in it. And I thought, well, he's Sir Ben Kingsley for a reason. He was great. Oh, yeah. The only thing I couldn't figure out from the the story being told is the first time we see the Ten Rings is the very first movie in the MCU, Iron Man 1. The way they describe how the Ten Rings was this criminal organization that when Wu had had created like a thousand years ago when he got the Ten Rings that had given him immortality, which – for my DC-centric mind, they were really similar to Ra- Rayshad Ghoul in the, in the League of Assassins. Can you yeah. see that comparison I'm making there? Yeah, yeah, just minus Lazarus Pit, but still having the trained assassins. Right, and he's still having the, the immortality because of right. the magic. So the Ten Rings that we see in Afghanistan and, and Iron Man 1, were they the fake Ten Rings that was created by Aldrich Killian that would not reveal themselves until Iron Man 3, or were they actually the real Wenwu Ten Rings, and I'm kind of leaning more towards the latter, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was the the real one. Mm-hmm. And then by the time Iron Man three rolls around, all like like is told as Trevor Slattery is explaining to Shang Chi and Katie his who he is and why he's there. That yeah, that he that this guy created the Mandarin and used the 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 myth the urban legend or, and around the 10 rings which was a real organization to strike fear in Iron Man in America. Right. So that is that is how we interpreted it, right? Is it the same way then? We were on the same Yeah, yeah, same I, I think so. Cuz the the reason why I think right. they would do something like that, it's kind of like going back to one of our sister shows, the Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame with the character of Mandrake the Magician where uh-huh. he actually does combat evil, but his public persona is that of a stage magician. So, of course, people say, mm. oh, Mandrake, that magician guy? Oh, that's all fake anyway. Oh, sure, right. he fights evil, yeah, and pulls rabbits out of his hatchets. Something like that, where it's that kind right. of deny because Plausible people deniability. see this. Yeah, that's actually, uh, I was actually using that term. But, yeah, it's like using a public persona of something to give people a different impression of what you're really doing under the table, if that makes any sense. It's why Bruce Wayne is a bit foppish and and kind of without as Bruce Wayne. It's meant to take anybody who might be on the, the scent of the trail that Batman is Bruce Wayne. They're like, well, how's someone so dour and serious like Batman, so jovial and, and silly and foolhardy like Bruce Wayne is? Yeah, it's not or, unknown in comics. Yeah, or you know the Superman analogy. I think it was in Superman Returns when... People point out, hey, wait a minute, Clark shows back up and Superman shows back up. You don't think that, and then it's like, yeah, right, right, right. Like stumbles to the door. Oh, oh, oh sorry, I missed what it <laughs> Well, I mean, I think one of the best examples in the Marvel Universe of that is Peter Parker versus Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Peter Parker's this nerdy kid and Spider-Man's this badass superhero. Marvel's a little more out front with who, they're, who the characters are, but I think there's also a little bit of that element in the original Donald Blake versus Thor. Mm-hmm. here's this doctor quiet man who is handicapped he has to walk with a cane a walking stick but when he slams the walking stick on the guy becomes mjolnir and then all of a sudden he's the, he's the norse god of thunder he's this big physically imposing so right billy batson as a kid then he's then of course he is captain marvel shazam as a, as a hero so it's, it, right. it's not unheard of in comics yeah. i guess is what we're saying but what i had written down in my notes as i was watching the movie I kind of called the intro How I Met Your Father because you, know, <laughs> you, 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 you hear this voiceover and, and 
I think it, it caught me off guard that so much of the movie is actually Chinese with subtitles, and, and I like it. I like it was a it was a very nice touch. But right. it's like five minutes into the movie, and I'm still hearing Chinese dialogue and seeing it uh, subtitles. I'm like, okay, uh, how much of this <laughs> is the whole movie going to be is like it, this? But is, is, is in English, right? But Wen Wu spends hundreds of years t- taking over governments and territories and such, and then he meets what was her Lee kind of the guardian to whatever that that kingdom Lao is it's almost, yeah it's almost like or a garden of eden type location not that dissimilar from uh, uh oh what's the place where danny Rand goes to become iron fist um, oh yeah why am i drawing a blank i'm the iron fist yeah man. <laughs> yeah and i'm the marvel guy and i still don't uh <laughs> oh cool kung, kung lao uh, kung, yeah. kung, 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 yeah kung lao yeah kung, kung lao's more combat but yeah they first meet and they beat the crap out of each other and somehow fell in love by beating the crap out of each other and then that's when yeah. we find out that the opening narration is actually Shang Chi's mother kind of telling the story to him as a child. Yeah, right, right. And we kind of flash forward to present day, where Shang is living as a valet attendant for for cars and such. So I can't really compare the character much to what I read in the comics. I didn't really read the comics that much. Did, mm-hmm. did you have any opinion on how oh, the character he was, was depicted? He, I thought he was dead on to the early Shang Chi. I mean, by the time they developed the character in the comics. He is one of the most sought-after martial artists in all of the Marvel Universe. He's mm-hmm. trained guys like Captain America and Black Panther. That's that's how good he is. The Marvel version of Ares, the Greek god of war, even says at one point, he is, he is maybe the only unempowered human I know of who can actually defeat a god in hand-to-hand combat. He's that good. Okay. And he doesn't, and he doesn't have powers. So... I, I the the things that threw me were in the comics he is based in the Chinatown of New York City, which makes sense because everything in Marvel takes place in New York City because Stan had such a love of New York City as a New Yorker. Yeah, as the old saying goes, uh, write what you know, and Stan's New Yorker, right. so he knows New York. Right, and they start right from the beginning. the The establishing shot is the Golden Gate Bridge, so they establish it to San Francisco, which actually makes more sense because I believe the Chinatown in San Francisco is larger than one in New York. It's the largest Chinatown in all of the United States. So that makes sense. Of course, it had me hopeful for a Paul Rudd or Michael Douglas cameo, which we didn't get, but oh well. Because right. they're already established as San Francisco based as well, of course, right? Um, mm. We didn't get that, so that that was a little bit. And the other thing, this is completely not important to the movie whatsoever. I don't know whose baby that was they cast to play the baby shang chi that is one of the five cutest babies i've ever seen in my <laughs> life that was a that baby was adorable <laughs> with a little tuft of hair and the little look he had on his face looking at his mother i was like oh yeah. <laughs> i got the same reaction out of that shang chi baby as i did like the first time we, we saw the baby ewoks on indoor yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it was like whoa anyways I, i'm sorry yeah. i digress another thing i liked about the Wenwu character is I think they made the character, I don't know if believable is the word, but they added an extra layer to him rather than just make him evil and wanting to control the world. It's like he fell in love with Lee, then gave up being a terrorist so he could have family. And mm-hmm. it was the murder of Lee that brought him back. And that's kind of when he, and he's back to his evil ways, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, you know, uh, waging war against what, what was it? Or was it the, the iron guard or iron, iron, iron Something gang? like that. Yeah. And I did like the idea of the 10 rings. Cause in the comics, Mandarin actually has 10 like finger rings, one for each finger. And each one of them controls a different aspect of 
think of them as like miniature infinity stones. Like one's mm-hmm. like wind and one's like fire and one's like lightning, whatever. Yeah. Here they made the ten rings, though I can't remember what they're called because I'm not that familiar with the Chinese martial arts. My background's in the, in the Japanese martial arts. But in Wushu, which is one of the forms of Kung Fu, which is the Chinese martial arts, mm-hmm. there is a weapon. You'll see them sometimes with those Shaolin monks where they wear these weighted rings on their wrists. As, and they use them as weapons, both offensive and defensive. They made the Ting rings like some magical form of that. So I thought that was a nice touch. You know, yeah. it's yeah. A, it's a way to update it, keep it somewhat true to the comic, but yeah, I, not. I know some people might look at that and say, well, they're more like the ten bracelets instead of the ten rings. But I I also happen to think that if they had used the conventional ring look on on your hands, right. that it might resemble the Infinity Gauntlet too much. And I could see how they might want to shy away from that. But that, that was just my thought when I, when I saw that, is they didn't want to go back, go back to an Infinity Gauntlet looking. Yeah. And I remember, say. if you remember, because you've read the comics of Mandarin, they'd always do a close-up of Mandarin's hands in the panel. And mm-hmm. he had like these long fingernails and his fingers were bony and wizened. And each one of the rings was very, very intricate looking piece of jewelry with yep. a different gemstone. So the idea of them being all the same concentric like that, I I, I thought it was cool. And it has a real world application because, like I said, I'm not that familiar with Chinese martial arts. But I know the weighted rings that you wear on your wrists are an actual weapon in that style of kung fu. So I think we also said off Mike that if this movie would have been made 25 years ago, that uh, they probably would have had James Hong play Mandarin because Mandarin in the comics, yeah. is very much kind of that stereotype Asian villain with the, well, Fu Manchu think mustache. Jam- and, think, you of, know. think of James Wong in, in Big Trouble in Little China. Exactly. You pretty yeah. much got it with the long fingernails like I was just talking about a second ago. And right. I think we agreed that Jackie Chan probably would have been cast as Shang-Chi back then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't know if Jet Li was popular by that point yet, but... I think he was still mm. a little too young. Uh, Jackie Chan would have been the perfect age in the 90s. Well, maybe if they're going to do a teenage one or something <laughs> in, in flashback. Right, but, right, right, right. And as far as the story goes, the, the one thing I saw coming, because it, there's a whole reveal where Shung is attacked by Ten Rings members going after his pendant. And then that's when his friend Katie, it's like all of a sudden she sees Shung Chi just doing all these amazing martial arts moves and... Uh, she never saw him do that before. That that's kind of a trope in its own right. The the you talk uh, about on the bus the the bus fight scene, which yeah, exactly. was well choreographed. I might add. Right, right. Um, that that just kind of seems to be a trope where the person who, uh, who is the hero isn't known to be the hero to his friends because he just wants to kind of go home and live a normal life. Um, mm-hmm. But the only thing that I I think I saw coming is they were talking about going to meet his sister, and then it turns out the fight in uh, China that he gets tricked into fighting winds up being against his sister. That one I saw coming. I, I was like, he's going to fight his sister now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? I, I'd never seen the actress before they had as his sister. I kept thinking she looks like the Asian version of Kate Blanchett. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> Maybe and, it was the haircut. I don't know. I just, they, she had a very similar haircut to the haircut. Kate Blanchett wears as the lead Russian and in, in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but maybe that's yeah. why I don't know. <laughs> right. And we were talking about Trevor Slattery before. He was essentially working for Mandarin now, and he knew the whole idea of the map and how to get to that land. Oh, uh, how did you? How did you like the winged, headless, faceless, whatever it was? More, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I I I wasn't sure what it was. I was trying to look. I mean, where where's the head? They, they look like flying tribbles to me. But, They're uh, kind of adorable, actually. Let's be oh, honest. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I can see how kids would would want one as soon as, as they've seen that. That, that that's going to be a Christmas toy this year. Let's be honest. Yeah, stuff. It was cute. It was cute. Yeah. Yeah, and then we saw the creatures in that realm, you might say, and I, I, I had just written down uh, like dragon goats, dragon lions. Oh, mm-hmm. that that lion that looks like the lions they have out in front of like P.F. Chang's was really mm-hmm. cool, weren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then the the main story deals with Mandarin believing that Lee is trying to communicate with him from uh, this realm and that she's not actually dead. She can be rescued by accessing this realm of course mandarin just comes in figuratively guns blazing he he just wants to to trample everything because he just wants his wife back and shang chi and kate and i forget the character's name but it, it, it wasn't lee it was lee's sister so essentially shang chi's aunt oh but it was michelle oh, yeah, Yeo, a play, yeah. played her yeah they they all knew that no she's not here she is dead and what was it the dweller or a dark dweller or something dweller in the dark Okay, that almost sounds like a Dio album. Uh, no, that's Rainbow in the Dark. It, it does, Rainbow in the Dark. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't an album, that was just a song. Yeah. But good song, yeah. good song. It's on the Last in Line album, second album. But once again, you can tell who's the headbanger and who's not of this duo. Yeah. But Dweller in the Dark does have a comic counterpart, more with Doctor Strange, but you can see by the way this dated CGI and the way the description heavily influenced by Cthulhu and, and Lovecraftian. But I'm sure you easily caught onto that right away, didn't you? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. And, and as far as the the look of the character, it was once again kind of more more dragon like, but it, but still it was, had the tentacles like Cthulhu has. Right. I I was actually uh, calling the other creatures kind of the minions that the uh, dweller had. I was calling them octopus bats because yeah, but they're they're called soul stealers. Oh, okay. Because that's what they do. That's what they do is they steal your souls. And then they take the souls back to the Dweller in the Dark. To in- Dweller in the Dark is, like I said, it's very Lovecraftian, but think Dormammu. Think all those evil, magical, immortal, you know, Feed uh, off creatures. Souls. Yeah. Yeah, from Marvel, where they're, they're from some dark dimension, not the dark dimension. That's Dormammu's dimension, right? Mm-hmm. But from some dark alternate dimension, always trying to figure out a way to get into our dimension and bring darkness about here. So, like yeah. I said, very Lovecraftian, very mm-hmm. much cosmic horror. This idea of an ancient evil that's always bubbling under, just under the surface, looking for any chance to come into the light and bring light into darkness, right? Right, right. And really in the, in the climax of the movie, when Wenwu finally realizes that he was wrong and that his Indeed, wife is gone, yeah. he does the classic self-sacrifice, so his son gets the rings and... Then Shang Chi's fully powered, and he hops on. I don't think it was Fin Fang Foom, but it certainly had some no, resemblances there. No, it was just an Asian dragon. Which those Chinese dragons that look like kind of like snake like were mm-hmm. always one of my favorites back in Dungeons and Dragons. I just like the way the look of them. They're so cool. Yeah, yeah and the way the way they're able to fly, it it, it, it almost literally like, like a, a flying like snake. A, the way like they a, yeah, like a slithering snake, but they're flying exactly. With a very lion-esque head with horns. Or the, like the very long ribbon that you might have at the end of a stick that you wiggle around. Yes. So, you know, and you, you just see the designs it makes, for lack of a better term. Yeah, 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 exactly. And if I remember right, those dragons in D&D were like the, the good dragons. They were like lawful good, chaotic good ones. They were like silver dragon, gold dragon, if I remember right. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think you're right. And then really the connection to the rest of the universe happens... At the end of the movie, which you might kind of call leading into the epilogue, I guess the mid-credits scene is probably the epilogue, but Wong shows up 
and takes them with him because he just he just kind of does he walks out of the portal and go uh hey you shang chi as uh, peter parker would say they start doing the thing you know where he does his hands in circles <laughs> right right but what the connection is i think it, they're talking about the rings themselves i believe because they're talking to bruce banner not professor hulk he's actually back to being bruce although he's still got his arm in a sling so i don't know if this is that long after the snap or the blip but it's clearly after and they they were trying to figure out the origins of the 10 rings and they talked about a beacon of some sort so there's a lot of speculation on what that is i think that's the type of thing people are saying it's galactus people are saying it's um that could be fame fang foom yeah because yeah, he that, is a he is an alien from what mock lafour i believe is the name of his planet he's from something like but yeah and and, he, and he's one of those characters that's like that cosmic level entity Baddie. you know he, he he could take on planets if he wanted to right uh, and and they'd established that earlier on that it's the rings is what they're researching because shang chi even asks his, his his aunt why does the dweller in the darkness want my debt because the dweller's scared of the rings because he knows the rings are powerful enough to destroy him but he knows the rings are also powerful enough to to unleash him Mm-hmm. So they're establishing very early on, like you said, and it is not Professor Hulk. It is it is Doctor Banner, but his arm is still in a sling. And we see Carol Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, and her hair's grown long again. And she she's like, "Get my number from Bruce. I gotta go." And then Bruce even says she does that all the time. So it ha- obviously <laughs> some time has passed since the blip. Or I I'm sitting there wondering how bad did that Infinity Gauntlet hurt Bruce's arm? Right, because I it would stand to reason that it would heal faster as Hulk, but if but it's, he's still in a sling and messed up when he sends Cap back. Remember, right? And Cap yeah. comes back as Old Man Steve. Right, right, and that and so, we're led to believe that's literally like what a day or so after the big battle with Thanos. I would think so. Yeah, almost immediately after. But if, if it would take Hulk some time to recover, then it would take Banner in human form. I would imagine. Right much longer even well, if he could so i'm sitting here thinking back to that scene because you remember that scene where i'm talking about from the from the end of Endgame. right you see in the background they're in the woods near the avengers facility in upstate new york you see damage control repairing the damage from the battle so they, tony's or not tony because tony's dead pepper has at least had enough time to because the stark industry owns damage control to send them in to start so it's got to be you got to figure it's at least 24 to 48 hours to get that kind of heavy equipment up there, right? And they even mentioned earlier in the movie that we live in a universe now where half of the universe can disappear just like that. So right. it's definitely post-blip. It, it almost brings up as many questions as it brings up answers, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I know people are wondering why is he being Dr. Banner and not the Hulk. Well, traditionally, over time, one of the incarnations of the Hulk was able to switch back and forth at will. At will. And they established that from the get-go with this Hulk. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Yeah. So the fact that he can control it, maybe he just chose to appear as Dr. Banner to not to freak out the new recruits, so to speak. The, the newbies. Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, Carol and Wong, they're not surprised by it, right? But Right. <laughs> right. And the second post-credit sequence, I guess I could say I, I saw that one coming as well, because I just kind of figured that the sister would take over the Ten Rings. That she yeah, kind of going back to the Razal Ghoul type thing, where, where right. the, the she's become this replacement. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, she's Nissa. Yeah, yeah. Where Shang Chi believes she's going back to his fortress to break up whatever remains of his father, but then they show quite clear no, she's reestablishing it. Right. And, and which makes me wonder 
because of the Asian-based Madripoor and the way we ended with Sharon Carter in Winter, Falcon Winter Soldier, could we see a team up in the future? That's exactly what I was thinking. I, I was going to bring that up if, if you didn't. The, the only other thing that I think w- could be brought up as far as that beacon, if we are dealing with the multiverse and we know that Kang is going to be central and all that, that could be another clue to whatever incarnation of Kang is going to be uh, the big baddie for right. Phase 4. Another thought I had is, my people are, and you brought this up off mic, the trailer to the Eternals, the final trailer, which we reviewed, I think, two episodes ago, and what I got before this, I think you said you got before this film as well. Mm-hmm. The creature you see in that trailer is not Galactus for those uninitiated. That is Essen the Searcher, which I right. believe is a celestial, right? Yeah. I, I, I had the knee-jerk reaction of Galactus when I said, no, it doesn't look right. No, it's Essen the Searcher. I'm thinking maybe it has something to do with him. Maybe Eternals yeah. is going to tie into this. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be. And with Eternals, people talk about, oh, well, why didn't they step in to stop Thanos? And I well, think it's pretty... Like they're going to explain that in the movie. Yeah, uh, for me, I think it's pretty straightforward. With Thanos, we're really only talking about one universe. Now they're talking about all the other multiverses, all the other universes being threatened as well, and that's why they're stepping in. Right. Once again, it goes back to the rings. The rings are the thing. It's not Chang-Chi. It's the rings. And we've already dealt with this idea of very, very powerful relics in the Marvel Universe, whether it's Cap's shield or the Super Soldier Serum, that has only been used twice, whether it's the Infinity Gauntlet and the Stones. We, this is not a new concept to the MC, the very powerful relics or artifacts. So this is something I think, it could wind up being a MacGuffin, or it could wind up being very important to the overall universe. Right. What do you think? Yeah, and that's the second time we've used the term MacGuffin in this episode. So, uh, so but, uh, hey, never, yeah. never a bad time to use that, you know? Right. But I think we agreed as far as overall. It's like I liked the movie. It wasn't my favorite or anything like that. I kind of liked it along the same vibe as Black Widow and that it was good. Not necessarily great, but good. And I'll watch Shang-Chi Chu whenever it comes out. Yeah, I give it a solid B, leaning towards a B plus for a letter grade. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Outside of the first Iron Man, which is kind of its own thing because it started the whole thing. Marvel has a template, a formula if you will, for how they do origin stories. They've done it with everyone, and they did it again. It is introduced character who it's obvious is somewhat empowered, but they have not tapped into the full potential of their power, get a backstory through flashbacks, and the character begins to understand their backstory along with the audience at the same time, get to act three, some big baddie, some threat, and then they finally tap into their full potential. Then we have the fully formed hero, and then at the end and in the mid or post credit scene, we take character and tie them into the entire MCU shared universe. Right. It, it's what they did. It's what they did with Black Panther. It's what they did with Thor. It's what they did with Captain Marvel. It's what they did with Doctor Strange. It's what they did with Shang Chi. Yeah, and and it's, it's in it's in the title of the movie, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So the Ten right. Rings are going to be used in some form to win the day in the end. Right. Exactly. So it, it, it's all those movies. If you go back and watch them all, you'll understand what I'm saying. The only ones that stray from that formula a little bit, as like I said, Iron Man 1, because it's different. It's the first. First Avenger, but even it has elements of that where we see Steve in the post-credit thawed out in our time. And then I do think there was a little bit of difference in Black Panthers because he was already established in the Civil War, but not that different. I, that's kind of what they did with 
Guardians of the Galaxy as a team. It's what they do for right. the only other one I can think of is Spider Man, which where what they did with Spider Man was introduce him before his first solo movie, and we just never got his backstory. Right. And quite frankly, let's be honest, Spider Man's backstory and origin story is much like Batman's. Do anybody, even mainstream casual fans, need to need to be reminded what it is anymore? Right, right. We've are we've already gotten it explained on screen in two other versions, essentially two other universes. Right. So, right, we don't you know. need to hear it again. So yeah. they're the only ones that do. Now, the the thing that I found myself questioning, okay, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, and I'd love to hear our listeners' opinions if they would like to comment on on our Facebook page or on on the website. We know that the Hawkeye series is coming in December mm-hmm. to Disney Plus, and we know several of the characters are going to be involved, like Echo, and we know his daughter, right? Mm-hmm. But we know in the comic book that the replacement for Hawkeye is a character named Kate Bishop, a female archer. Well, isn't it interesting that Katie, Chong Chi's girlfriend, finds her hidden talent at the end of the movie being archery? You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah. Although they do have Kate Bishop cast for the oh, Hawkeye okay. series. Okay. It's uh, Haley Steinfeld. Okay. Yeah. But you could see why I was leaning oh, that way, couldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it actually didn't dawn on me until you just mentioned. It. I'm like, oh, but but yeah, they they actually have uh, they already have an actress cast for. It doesn't mean that she couldn't show up. What? And and I and the actress's name is yes, believe it or not, spelled differently than 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 the bottled water, but her name is Aquafina. Yeah, the actress's yeah. name, her comedic timing, and Jeremy Renner's comedic timing would actually really really work well. Yeah, together. I, yeah, I, I I agree. And Jeremy Renner has three very, very personal relationships with three of the female stars in the MCU. Linda Cardellini is his wife, Laura. Scarlett Johansson is is, is Natasha. And Elizabeth Olsen is Wanda. And he's good with all three of them. Jeremy just, he plays off really well with uh, with actresses, with with, with leading-type ladies. And he does it in a way that is, with Laura, he's a loving husband. With Wanda, he's kind of like an uncle or a father figure. And with... With Scarlett, he's like BP, BBF or BFF. So he, he can pull off different dynamics with female leads as well. I'm down for it. If they want to do a what if for the two of them, I'm down with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could definitely see that. And we'll, we'll see if maybe they'll they do like what you said and have this Katie be the Kate Bishop. Uh, that's going but I mean, to... come on. It, she, even if she, even if they do have a Kate Bishop, she's still an archer. Yeah. Still wouldn't mind her showing up in a Hawkeye standalone, would you? No, that'd be just fine by me. All right, so that's going to wind it up for this episode of Geekville Radio. Thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, if you're hearing us for the first time, we are geekvilleradio.com. We're also on a podcatcher you're choosing. That's at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it. You can just do a search for Geekville Radio, and you'll find us as well as all of our sister shows. The social media is Facebook and Twitter at Geekville Radio. Uh, you can drop us a line there. You can give us a follow uh, if you want to review any of our stuff. The only thing that I ask when it comes to reviews is just be honest. Let us know what you really think because I always welcome genuine feedback. And Train, if somebody wants to talk to you about Marvel or DC or Midnight Suns, uh, where can they find you? I'm always available on Twitter at crazytrain underscore JB. That is my handle pretty much across all social media platforms that I'm a member of. Just do a search. I'm also a moderator and an administrator on the Examine the Dead Facebook page. So that's another good place to reach me. Just to let people know, we've talked off mic 
for the next couple of weeks. Our recording schedule is going to be, of course, Geekville as news, but we're also looking at next being, I think, Classic Wrestling Memories, you said, right? Another new yeah. Classic Wrestling Memories, where we're going to talk about the life and times of Don Cronodal and the Patriot Dale Wilkes. And then after that, we were going to do, what was the, what was the one we were going to do after that? I'm trying to remember. Well, I know we're going to do an Examine the Dead soon for... Uh, right, Examine the Dead. Yeah. We're going to do another Examine the Dead. Duh, the one I host. Yeah, we're doing Examine the Dead. <laughs> Going to talk some body horror and, and review the Fear Street movies that are on Netflix now. And we're mulling over what we're going to do for our uh, lesser-known Geek Hall of Fame. We've talked to, what, Defenders of the Earth. We've talked Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. A few other things, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the month of September. Next month is October. That's when we do the big crossover, you might say, event <laughs> with all of our shows. Yeah. where We just kind of all do ha- Halloween-themed horror topics. Right. So. A lot of fun to be had so you, as far as uh, yeah. Our so shows you will come. get a lot of examining the dead. I'll I will do my normal uh, lesser known horror movie trailers every day through the month. So that's all coming. Yep. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening, and we will talk to you again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. So here's a possibly complete list of all the teams Wolverine has been a part of. Alpha Flight, Avengers, Avengers Unity Division, CIA, Department K, Devil's Brigade, The Hand, The Horseman of the Apocalypse, Knights of Wondegore, Lando, Luckman, and Lake, Murder Circus, New Avengers, New Fantastic Four, Romulus, S.H.I.E.L.D., Secret Defenders, Weapon X, X X-Force, X-Men, XSE, and of course, Team X. That's a probably still partial list of all the teams Wolverine's been a part of.